Welcome back to another episode of the Colorectal Quiz. I'm Shimon Jacobs, Colorectal Surgery Fellow at Children's National in Washington, D.C. In today's episode, we'll review a very intriguing case of a cloaca variant. We have our usual hosts, Dr. Frischer and Dr. Levitt, who will introduce our special international guest. Carlos Rec is a um, very established pediatric colorectal surgeon in Vienna, Austria. So welcome, Carlos. Thank you, Mark, for this great introduction. Thank you, Jason, for having me. Carlos, um, you want to tell us about a case that you've brought for discussion? So this patient was originally in, here in Austria. Uh, women have an um, organ screening around 20 to 24 weeks pregnancy where they saw that the child had an intra-abdominal cyst. So they, she was referred for a um, prenatal MRI, which was done around 28 weeks. If you're in the State Current app, open the first image where you can see two panels taken from this fetal MRI and follow along as Dr. Reck describes the findings. They still were able to see these structures, which appear to be a double cyst, differential diagnosis, mesenteric cyst, differential diagnosis, ovarian cyst, differential diagnosis, uh, hydrocolpus. I think in a female with a large abdominal cyst, certainly with any associated urologic issues, they should hopefully think about cloaca and any of the other vectoral anomalies, let's say the radius is missing or the sacrum is missing, um, uh, there should be suspicious that that cyst is associated with the hydrocolpos. And yes, I thought definitely of uh, the possibility of a cloaca, especially by seeing the location of the cyst and this, this double configuration, which for me didn't uh, wouldn't make sense for, for example, a mesenteric cyst or a ovarian cyst. In any case, she was referred to our hospital to give birth. The child was born um, full term with a good size, over three kilograms, and uh, didn't have any trouble, any respiratory problems, didn't require any type of, of uh, resuscitation. The second image shows the perineal exam. Note the good technique for a female newborn exam which retracts the labia majora upward and outward to maximize visualization. You can see there was only one perineal hole. I just want to point out a couple things. That orifice is large for a cloaca. It's normal appearing. Obviously, there's no anal opening. So I think that's an important finding. That often means that the confluence of structures is very low. I find that if the single perineal orifice is very, very tiny and right at the clitoris, that usually means a high confluence. You can actually see that there is an abdominal mass protruding, which is something I could feel on examination. Um, there wasn't an anus, but there was a good anal dimple, uh, and there was a, not a flat bottom, but rather a good, well-developed child bottom. I decided to take it to the OR to drain this hydrocolpus where I was planning to do a cystoscopy of this orifice. I first went with a cystoscope. Surprisingly, I wasn't able to get into any vagina. They were, basically, what you see is a direct entrance into the ureter and couldn't uh, find any type of UG sinus. It's very interesting. So you cystoscope the patient through the single perineal orifice, and the only thing you saw was essentially a urethra that entered a bladder. No, no rectal or vaginal communication with that single channel. Is that what I'm hearing? 
Correct. So that is, that's a little crazy. And I'm fascinated by the fact that this patient obviously had a hydrocolpos. How does that happen? How do you get a hydrocolpos with no urine connected to it? So that's where my whole diagnostic dilemma was, and I couldn't explain it. Yeah, well, so I thought the first thing is first, so let me drain it and create a colostomy. And I wanted to send some of this fluid to establish creatinine and see if, if there is urine in there. By the way, what did the fluid look like? So when it came out, it was basically a little mucus-looking fluid. It wasn't infected. It wasn't like urine smelling or anything. It was just like a amber-colored, uh, dark, not completely transparent fluid, uh, which was pretty easy to drain. I don't think it's urine because there's no communication, but obviously there's vaginal mucus and the maternal hormones are affecting that. And that's one of the explanations for lots of fluid. Do we really know there's no contribution from urine? I mean, could be an ectopic ureter connecting to one or both of the vaginas that we oh, know yeah, or uteri that we don't know yet at this diagnostic moment. And by the way, was there associated hydronephrosis? So there was one unilateral, but it was only like grade two. And there, on the other side, it was like grade three hydronephrosis. So going back to the OR, after the cystoscopy, how did you deal with the hydrocolpos? So in the operating room, I decided to drain it. Uh, I shortly was considering doing a vaginostomy, uh, but I wanted to be less invasive and, and um, decided to use um, this pigtail catheter and see if I can drain it with that. So as to not create a lot of um, abdominal scaring and, and uh, intra-abdominal um, additions because I, I didn't know what was coming next or what would be happening as far as next surgeries are concerned. Um, we talked about this on another podcast, the options of draining a hydrocolpos. You chose to use a pigtail catheter. Uh, this is one that's large and one could consider a tubeless vaginostomy, just suturing it to the abdominal wall. Um, which is an option. I recognize that you felt that that might ultimately tether uh, the pull through, although I haven't found that really is a concern. Um, and it's very easy to just take it down um, if it is tethering. And I haven't had it tether. There's plenty of vagina here. So that's one way to sort of reduce the infection by not having an indwelling tube if the hydrocobus is large and this one is above the umbilicus. So, but what about the septum? Because you have two separate structures that need to drain sometimes. Well, uh, I think the, the main factor is first, um, can you the size of course? In this case, it was a very obviously, and it was seen on ultrasound that there was no septum and that there was a huge cyst. Um, and the second one is, if you have a smaller one and you can see it's divided, I would usually do them open and drain them openly or do a laparoscopy and then uh, take a look at it. Again, in this case, I decided not to do it because of the size of it. And I felt pretty comfortable by seeing that there was no septum on ultrasound that I, was, I would be able to drain it just with one catheter put in there. How did you, uh, you do that beautiful stoma? There's no, there's no skin bridge. Dr. Levitt is seeing image three in the State Current app showing the abdomen post-surgery. 
Well, the way I do it, I usually make like a um, one and a half centimeter incision, and then with a babcock or something, I go for the uh, sigmoid colon and uh, bring it up uh, when I can identify uh, um, if I can see a, a white line. I will identify it as such and bring it bring up a loop and then divide it outside. Um, and one side I would um, do a little uh, purse string and then bring it up through a second incision. You know, um, it's a great trick. And I, I, we've been doing many of our stomas in the neonates laparoscopically now because I think avoiding that skin bridge is helpful from a wound care issue but yes uh, we have made sure or in, ensured that we have emptied our distal limb uh doing irrigations because as you know and everyone knows um when you leave some meconium in there and you're not doing your definitive repairs and and colostomy closures for six months or so that becomes almost petrified and extremely difficult to evacuate and causes problems so Yes, I, I usually also do laparoscopy. In this case, I didn't because I didn't know this huge cyst, even if it was drained, how I would be able with the laparoscope to look around it. But at this point, I was only concerned in doing um, what's necessary to, to get all the... This, this, this was a newborn, so I wanted just the child to be stabilized and to have all his functions functioning and then go on to do further diagnosis. So after the surgery, the patient is able to feed and eventually be discharged from the NICU with the pigtail drain in place, with plan for further diagnostic testing as an outpatient. Look at image four, showing an MRI at about one month out. What's going on here, Dr. Reck? Two days before this image, the, the child had lost the pigtail catheter, which is definitely a disadvantage of, of having a catheter left and sending them home. In any case, she didn't come for care and only came after two days because she had the MRI, luckily, which was. And um, on MRI, I mean, you can see that the hydrocolpus had filled again to this massive amount. So I ended up draining it acutely, putting a new pigtail in there with my ultrasound. The patient also had a distal colostogram done, shown in image five. What do you think of this study? Um, there's not enough pressure build up there, uh, but you can see where the colon kind of ends. So it wasn't a very high colon. You can see it. Uh, there was a good developed sacrum and the colon was at the PC line. Um, if you imagine a little more pressure in there, but again, it was blind ending. The line you can see with contrast was actually outside. So this wasn't a fistula or anything. I don't think this uh, image is that bad. I, um, it's reasonably well distended. You can see the sacrum. You can see the perineal uh, marker. Um, yeah, I mean, a little bit more distension just to be absolutely certain that there's no uh, fistula. You, you have a new, good idea of where the rectum is that you can reach it from below. So now you have the imaging. You know um, obviously that there is a urethra, you're happy with the location of the urethra and there's no connection to it. So urethra is urethra, done. Now you have to go posterior sagittal and then what did you find and what did you do? I decided to go with the posterior sagittal approach because uh, there was a low rectum and I assumed that there, if there was a vagina, I would be able to find it from behind. 
Image 6 shows an intraoperative photo during the cloaca repair. The rectum is retracted upwards with the vicro sutures, and the vagina is retracted with the silk sutures. And you can see I have uh, put stitches around the vagina and brought it down, or I'm push putting some tension on it that you can see on the picture. And um, in this picture, you cannot see it, but by this time I had already opened the vagina and seen inside. So I, will, I was sure this is a vagina. Any septum or uh, how many services did you see? Did it confirm what you saw on your imaging? Yes, I didn't find any septum. And I only found um, what appeared to be one services, but wasn't very clear because of all this redundant tissue uh, of the deflated structure. So at this point, you can also see in the picture that the urethra was untouched. I left it, uh, the, the opening was left as it is. And then I was able to bring the whole, uh, I, I, I tried to, to um, separate the vagina from the, um, from the bladder. At this point, it was almost at the bladder neck that you can see below it and uh, separated as much as I could and, and until I, I had no tension. And then I had a rectum, the hydrocolpus or vagina, I would call, and was able to do the vaginoplasty and the anoplasty. Awesome. I was planning that if I need to do uh, an interposition or something, I would go into the abdomen, which luckily I didn't have to. Yeah, a little bit of a black box, not having the usual connection points and maybe doing a laparoscopy first would also have been the correct thing but again i was afraid of having a lot of redundant tissue from this huge cyst and not being really able to differentiate a lot uh, with the abdomen being so small and not being able to create a lot of space in there yeah i think i think that i think that was good judgment i agree i um, I like to light things up. I would have um, the two important points um, relative to the hydrocopus, uh, just to reaffirm what Jason said is be aware there's a septum and you have to remove a little piece of the septum and then make sure both sides are properly draining. And then a contrast study through that tube or vaginostomy um, would be very valuable. We would do it all together. We would inject the distal rectum, the hydrocobus if present, and the bladder um, so all together um, is in, the, in a 3D cloacogram or fluoro if you don't have the ability to rotate. But I think uh, cystoscoping the patient, putting a catheter in the bladder, putting a catheter in the mucous fistula, putting a catheter in the hydrocobus, which you already have, and then doing a fluoro study particularly in the lateral projection, you would have had very good data and been very confident that going in posterior sagittally, you would be able to find both structures. And then in this unique case, no work needs to be done on the urethra because the common channel itself is the urethra. Once you have absolutely confirmed, and it seems like you have successfully done that, that there's no vaginal urethral fistula or rectovaginal fistula related to the rectum part. So very interesting case. And I think, uh, again, evidence that you got to know your uh, anatomy. I mean, I, I, at the end, I didn't know how to call this because calling it cloaca, we didn't have a really common channel. Yeah, I would call it, I would definitely call it a cloaca, but I would say it's a variant. 
you have a sing you have no anus and you have a single perineal orifice. It's a cloaca. The only thing that's particularly unique here is there's no vaginal or rectal connection to the common channel. Uh, this is a great anatomic case. Uh, phenomenal. Carlos, any jokes from your from the overseas? <laughs> no, unfortunately, I don't have a joke. I'm very bad at telling jokes. Well, you know, it's still Halloween season. So a simple little discussion is, I want to say a knock-knock joke. Knock-knock. No, who's there? Boo-boo-who. Boo-boo-who-who. Who. <laughs> you don't have to cry about it. <laughs> Thank you for joining. Thank you for joining us, Carlos, and great to see you. Great to see you all. Thanks also okay. a lot. Thank you for tuning into the episode of the Colorectal Quiz. Check out the Stay Current app for more episodes and other great pediatric surgery content because knowledge should be free.